Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. My name is Kaden Behan, your host and a volunteer for New Heights Educational Group. Today we have a very special guest, Inga Auerbacher, a Holocaust survivor and author, along with her, <coughs> oh, excuse me, I apologize, I do have a cough. Um, our special guest, Inga Auerbacher, Holocaust survivor and author. We also have special guest hosts, uh, Desiree McMillan and Sadia Ijaz. Thank you guys so much for being here. How are you all doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm honored to be with you today. We're so, so honored honor to thank have you for having me. Thank you. Awesome. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. So now to get on with our show, I just wanted to give the audience a brief bio of Inga Auerbacher, Dr. Auerbacher. Um, Dr. Auerbacher is a Holocaust survivor. She was born in 1934 in Kippenheim, Germany. Um, she is also an author of six books and has been awarded many titles. She is New York State. She won New York State Woman of Distinction, the Louis E. Yavner Citizen Award from the Board of Regents of the New York State, and the Cross of Merit from the Federal Republic of Germany, along with many other titles. And so, to get right into more about Dr. Inga, we do have our guest hosts who have some questions for her, and so that way she can kind of tell her story and tell about her interest in her survival in what was obviously a very difficult time in Germany's history. So, Sadia, would you like to begin uh, with some of your questions? Okay. Thank you, Kaden. Oh, it looks like Sadia dropped uh, her call. So, 
just to keep forward with the uh, radio show, Desiree, would you like to start off with your question? Um, sure. Um, okay. um, I like I I more. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. I think it's disconnected. <laughs> Anyways, uh, hi, Ms. Hi, Dr. Auerbecker. I did have a couple of questions for you. My very first question is, how did the war affect your education? Well, it affected it drastically because um, when I was six years old, uh, I had to go to a special school, a Jewish school, Mm -hmm. only one in the whole province of Württemberg in southwestern Germany. Mm-hmm. And uh, school was closed after six months. So I never finished my first grade. I uh, didn't have much schooling, certainly actually no real schooling when I was in the camp for three years between 1942 and 1945 when I was seven to ten years old. Mm-hmm. And when I returned from the camp, there was very little schooling. I didn't know what grade I belong in. And then uh, when I came to America, I was sick almost immediately and losing time again in the hospital, etc. I started my school career at age 15. Imagine, eight years of schooling lost. And I finished high school in about uh, three years instead of four, going to summer school. And uh, in between sicknesses, etc., I entered uh, college. Uh, and um, I finished a degree in a BS degree in chemistry and some graduate work. And I worked for 38 years as a chemist in research, medical research, and clinical work. So um, altogether, I lost eight years of schooling in my life because of my experiences during the uh, Nazi period. I see. And again, was it difficult to go into high school again after the war and also adjust? Of course, it was difficult. I mean, after my life uh, during that time, uh, it was uh, extremely difficult. I mean, I never even had finished my first grade. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And also, what are some things that really affected your growth as a person during that time? Well, yes, and uh, I think uh, it, it would be good to tell you a little bit about my life. It's not just uh, what happened here and there. Uh, afterwards, uh, would I be able to tell you a little bit about my life now? Yes, definitely. Go ahead. Yeah. I, actually, I was born <clears throat> December 31, 1934. I'm not 80 years old yet. I'm still 79 years young. I was born um, in a little village in southwestern Germany called Kippenheim, village of about 2,000 people, 60 uh, Jewish families. And I was the last Jewish child born there. We had a happy uh, relationship with our neighbors, Christian neighbors. We lived side by side. The Christians went to the church on Sunday and we on Saturday. We were a religious community, modern Orthodox, and the synagogue was the center of our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, would you like me to continue? Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, um, what changed everything was uh, Crystal Night, uh, November 9th and 10th, 1938, in uh, Austria and in Germany. It was the first 
uh, uh, modern riot uh, against the Jewish people, uh, and a terrible time. And when all the synagogues in Austria and in Germany were burned to the ground or desecrated badly. I was not even uh, four years old at that time. And uh, I remember... Shall I continue? I'll tell you a little bit more about Crystal Night, what it felt like. Yes, of course. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, my grandparents had come to see us in the little village. They lived about 300 miles away in an even smaller village, and Grandpa went to the synagogue in the morning. In our village, it was November 10th. And uh, he was arrested because he was Jewish uh, and sent to the Dachau concentration camp, which was actually the first concentration camp in Germany. All men and boys from the age of 16 on were um, uh, sent to concentration camps before because they were Jewish on that on those two days. Now, the name, when we speak about Kristallnacht, it means the broken glass. Mm -hmm. Uh, All all the windows in our houses were broken. As I said, it happened to us on November 10th. Uh, But usually when when we think about it, November 9th becomes the day that we commemorate uh, this terrible day every year. And my father was also arrested, sent to the concentration, uh, um, to the Dachau concentration camp, even though he had fought in World War One and was wounded quite badly and received the Iron Cross for his mm-hmm. bravery. And all the windows in our houses were broken. Uh, there was glass all over the place, and uh, which we later had to pay for. Uh, somehow, after a few weeks, they permitted those men to come home again, mm-hmm. and it was a lesson. It's uh, a, a trial, in a sense, uh, for us to see this is what is going to happen to you. My parents and my grandparents never wanted to leave Germany. This was our oh. homeland. We lived in mm-hmm. Germany. Jews lived in Germany for more than a thousand years. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, would you like to ask me some more questions? Yes, I have another one. How are you able to cope with the tragedies of the war, and especially the losses that you personally had to endure? Well, of course it was difficult. We should really go into the concentration time, uh, How what was life like. Uh, would you like me to tell you that? Yes, go ahead. Um, oh, okay. Well, after Crystal Night, we knew we had to leave Germany. Mm-hmm. And we moved in with my grandparents. And at that time, of course, then I started school, 1940, 1941, uh, I'm six years old, the school which I've talked about before. And that was uh, when I went to the Jewish school. And then the transports began. In the end of 1941, my grandmother was sent uh, to a place in Riga, Latvia. And uh, we were supposed to go there, too. And all those people, almost all, and my school, too, all of them went in the winter, December. 
and almost all of them were shot in the Birkenica forest in Latvia. About six months later, it was our turn. We couldn't get out of the transport anymore because my father was a disabled war veteran, and we were uh, in a transport to go to Terezin or Theresienstadt. We didn't know where it was at that time. And um, we spent uh, three years there between the age of seven and ten. I was the youngest in a transport of about 1,200 people. Wow. Yes, and at the end of three years, there were 13 survivors out of those close to 1,200, and it was a miracle, uh, a whole family intact, and you could not do anything about it. Terrorism was used by uh, for propaganda purposes for uh, the world to see that everything is fine there because there was an international Red Cross inspection in 1944, and uh, they made even a film about it. It was actually a little um, uh, military garrison town. Um, mm-hmm. It was a way station before Auschwitz. We did not have gas chambers there at that time. At the end, they were being built, but not completed. Eichmann, who was in charge of the whole Jewish question, came many times, and I saw him there. Yes, life was very difficult. We had 15,000 children among 140,000 people, and uh, maybe about 1% survived under the age of 15, and I'm one of those lucky children. Two-thirds of 140,000 would be shipped to Auschwitz, the killing center. Others, too, are the killing centers, mostly Auschwitz, and close to a third died there of malnutrition and disease. Yes. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonics Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Yeah, that's definitely a big deal as um, right. being only at around ages like 7 through 10, it's like yes. so many things are going through uh, their minds at that time. And it's like sometimes kids don't understand what is exactly happening. So I think right. that's... In fact, I that, had one thing with me that I saved. I mean, when we arrived, we only had our metal dishes, the clothes on our hair, uh, on our bodies, and I had mm-hmm. one thing with me, my doll Marlene. She was a gift to my, from my grandmother when I was two years old. And I found out years later that she was made actually for the 1936 Olympics, blonde hair, blue eyes. And originally she had the same name as I, the model did. Uh, I never knew that, Inga. And mm-hmm. very famous doll. And in fact, I just visited her in the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., and tears came to my eyes. Yeah. 
definitely, even if it was just something so small, it probably holds many, many. Yeah, you know why, too? It was a memory of of when life was good, you know, Mm -hmm. something to hold on to from home. And I held on to her for dear life, all through my life, before I gave her to the Holocaust Museum. Mm -hmm. So during that time, what was a normal day like? For you or your family? Yeah, well, um, you know, we slept in rooms with many, many people on double and triple deck bunk beds. And uh, in the morning, you, you had to get, uh, your, you had to stand in line for everything that you received, any food, and with your metal dishes. In the morning, it was like uh, dark liquid, they call coffee. I mean, we used it to clean our clothes. It was like detergent. Lunch was uh, maybe a potato, a little soup uh, with all kinds of things floating in it, a little turnip, the only vegetable I had in those three years were turnips. And the same thing again at night. Hunger was our constant companion. And I'm always asked, what did you do like? Uh, You know, I I lived, by the way, in the section with all disabled war veterans for World War One, There were children in that area. Our fathers were heroes. One had a leg off, one an uh, eye missing, one uh, an arm missing, some two, arm, uh, two arms or two legs missing. Those were our fathers. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did we do? Well, uh, we rummaged around in the garbage dump to find a, a little piece uh, from a potato peel and cut it off. A, a rotten turnip cut a piece off, a piece of string, a piece of uh, paper, anything, a rag. Mm-hmm. Those were our games. I mean, mice, rats, fleas, and bed bugs, those were our constant companions from morning till night. It was a place of vermin. Mhm. Yes, certainly it was a very difficult time and you went through many terrible experiences. But what would you say your most challenging experience was? My challenging I, I wanted uh, to stay with my parents. Many people were separated. Now in our camp, most men and women and children did live separate, but they still could see each other. Right. But I was allowed to live with my parents and my challenge was uh, I hope that if I could stay, if I would not be separate from my parents, they would uh, protect me. I mean, we had absolutely no idea where those transports went to. I mean, they went to uh, to the killing fields, you know, to the gas chambers, and uh, they kept it from us. In fact, they made people right back from there, oh, come and join us. It's uh, very nice here. It was all fake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Just actually this week in my history class, we watched a movie called Life is Beautiful, and it definitely explained so much of the... Um, it shows event- the, the love for this father for his child, and that's right. how it was with my parents. They wanted to shield me as much as possible, mm-hmm. uh, share even so, their food with me. We did get a, a, a bread ration once a week, uh, not great bread. My mother would put a notch every day. You know, if you went from Monday to Tuesday, you went into next day's portion, you didn't have any more bread. Bread was mm-hmm. very important. Hunger was the constant companion and uh, the dirt and the filth. We could take maybe uh, two showers a year with 
permission, one room for men, and and the mothers uh, took the children. The women took the children, but the, you know, with multi heads uh, of water shooting down. It wasn't gas; it was water. It was very hard to keep. Well, we had epidemics, scarlet fever epidemic, uh, typhus, tuberculosis, uh, etc. Definitely. And um, that was all for me. And thank you so much, Dr. Auerbecker. And Desiree, why don't you talk a little bit about the questions you have for Dr. Auerbecker? Okay. Um, hello. Um, yes, hi. <laughs> um, okay. So, actually, this wasn't planned, but some of my questions actually go off of the ones that Sadia had for you. Yes. Um, my first one being, well, it actually, aside from Molly the doll you spoke of, what really inspired you to keep going and just like not give up while you were in there? Well, um, inspired. You you always have hope that tomorrow will be better. And especially we children, we made games uh, to dream of the best uh, chocolate pie or, or, or mountains of whipped cream. Tomorrow will be better and we will be free again. You lift for today to stay alive and hoped and prayed for a better tomorrow. That kept me alive. And, of course, the care of my parents. I was separate from my parents for a time when I was uh, when I had scarlet fever for quite a few months and I could not see my parents. Yes, do you have any more questions? Um, yeah. Sorry, it's a lot to take in. <laughs> um, well, I'm assuming that you were afraid, but were you, like, more afraid for, for like, yourself or your family and friends? I didn't quite get you. What did you say? Um, I'm certain that you, you know, because things were so bad that, you know, you did have a little bit of fear. Were you more afraid for yourself or, like, your family and your friends or? I was afraid to be separated from my parents, which they did many times. Yes, I did have friends in the in the camp, and almost all of them uh, were sent to Auschwitz, especially one friend, Ruth. She was from Berlin. I come from the Deep South. In fact, her father was half Jewish, her mother totally, and she was brought up as a devout Christian. She died before her 10th birthday, was killed um, as a Christian devout Christian even because of her Jewish heritage and she had the same doll that I had and she gave me a little a little shirt something that her doll wore before she went and she said you can give it back to me when all is over and of course I couldn't and I saw that little shirt again in the Holocaust Museum just a few days ago when I visited uh, the museum in Washington, and uh, there was actually a newspaper article written by the Washington Post together with an African-American girl who wrote a, a book uh, about me, uh, children writing books. She's a teenager, uh, four children. So her, then is, uh, her name is Danielle Lyle, and uh, she wrote a beautiful book about me. And we both cried when the doll was shown to us and the little shirt. Yes. Well, um, 
Yes, you have any more questions? Because I can go uh, on. I can yes. tell you more about my life. <laughs> I have just one more. Um, no, I'm sure you didn't have many, but what was your brightest memory from that time, like, if any? And, and a good memory? Yeah. Well, having friends and the love of my parents who tried to shield me uh, from the worst. They tried. Having friends, and especially my best friend, Ruth, that I will never forget. I even visited the house where she lived. She always promised me she will come to see me. Of course, that was totally impossible. And there's not even one picture of her available. That is so sad. Yeah. And um, I think you have any more questions? Because I'd like to tell you a little bit when I came to America. Oh, no, please go ahead. Should I go ahead? Well, um, we went back uh, to Germany, and, of course, we found out that uh, 13 immediate members of my family had been killed, including my beloved grandmother. Oh, I, I shall never forget her. Never, never. I went to see the place where she was killed in the forest some years ago. And to tell you the truth, I've not been the same. Not at all. In fact, the next day, I was so upset, I broke my arm. I fell. I, I just didn't know. Uh, I mean, I, I was just really not myself. I went to Riga which uh, in Latvia, which is near Russia. And uh, we came to, I uh, started school again after the war, but um, they didn't know what grade to put me, to put me fourth and fifth. I had no clue. I mean, I didn't even finish my first grade. But I knew how to read and to write and do a little bit of math. In six months, I learned that. And... Um, then uh, we had the opportunity to come to America in May 1946 with the second displaced persons boat. It was an army boat because um, President Harrius Truman opened the gates uh, to us, the displaced persons. And my mother had an uncle, uh, actually a brother, my uncle, in New York City. Uh, just outside of New York City, who had fought in World War II for the Americans. And we uh, settled there for a little bit, and my parents got a job. And then uh, working as a butler and, and, and cook, my mother, a cook and maid, uh, in Rye, New York, which is part of Westchester, not too far from New York City. And then I got a terrible cold, and the lady didn't like that. And it turned out she said, well, we have to take you to the doctor. And the verdict was quite strong, immediately to the hospital. And in the camp, there was a girl, we were told, in, in the compound where I lived, don't go near her. She's very sick, and you'll catch it. It's a terrible disease. But she was getting a little bit more food, a piece of bread more, some very, very diluted milk, which was really just water. And I prayed to God, can't be so bad. I want to have what she has. And you know what it was? It was tuberculosis. So anyway, I dreamt for something which was te quite terrible, and as soon as I came to America, I was put into a hospital for two years in bed. There was no cure at that time, and uh, finally they let me go home. My parents had an uh, apartment in Brooklyn, 
but still no school. We had very little school in the hospital. We were all very sick children. There was a children's hospital. Uh, one ward was for polio and one was for TB. It was uh, uh, we couldn't afford to pay uh, the amount uh, the amount of money, which was I think about five dollars a day. Even my parents couldn't pay that. So it it was like a community uh, hospital um, and. Um, then um, I came home and not sick, uh, not well enough uh, to go to school. I had some homeschool, but very little. And then an antibiotic was discovered, streptomycin, which saved my life. And um, so finally, I was allowed to go to school. And I finished high school in three years instead of four by going to summer school and then to college and I had to leave college again and new drugs were found out and of course I'm okay today 100% for many many years and I finally I found after a few years uh, some years ago I found the actual man who discovered uh, this drug this miracle drug streptomycin the co-discoverer who saved my life and the Nobel was given to his professor at Rutgers University but he did almost all the work unfortunately he was not he was hardly mentioned finally he did get a big award but not the Nobel Anyway, uh, we wrote a book together, Finding Dr. Schatz, and it was the most amazing thing to meet him in Philadelphia, the man who saved my life. Yes. Now, would you like to ask? Yeah. I made it a little longer because it's important to, to have a little background on my story. It wasn't just what did you uh, do after, you know, how did you feel? First, I have to go through all this, these terrible things in my life. And in a way, I had two Holocausts in my life. One, uh, the Hitler era, era, the Nazi era, and then a bug was uh, eating me up alive. I mean, TB is caused by a bug, a bacillus, bacteria. And which was tremendously hard to fight because almost everybody uh, died from this disease. It was very hard to cure. There was really no cure until new drugs were discovered, especially the first one, streptomycin. Yes. Definitely, definitely. And I know that we did want to talk about that and perhaps maybe do another show just because we're running out of time, unfortunately, for this show. Already, it went Um, so quick. Yes, it did, but you definitely have a lot to say, and we would love to have you again on the show. I would uh, like to, to say about- one thing. If anybody would like to contact me, I speak all over the country and the world. My uh, website is www.ingeauerbecker. I'll spell it slowly. I-N-G-E-A-U-E-R. B-A-C-H-E-R dot com. You can check me out on the web and Facebook. Become my friends. I love friends. And oh, thank you so, so much. Yeah, I, I oh, have one ahead. wish to say. Can I say one more wish? My hope, okay. my wish and prayer is for every child to grow up in peace without hunger and prejudice. And I thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on our show. We would love to have you back again. Um, Thank you. Talk more love about to do research it. And um, more on the Shaktamayasin and your encounter with the man who uh, invented it. Um, hopefully we have time for that in the future. 
Thank Again, you. thank you, Sadia and Desiree, for your questions. Really enjoyed having you on the show as well. Um, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much for having us. And thank you, ladies. Really, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And know more about you, Miss um, uh, Dr. Albecker. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so, so much. And uh, we will see the audience in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be on vacation next week, so there won't be a radio show. Thank you, everyone, again for coming and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.